morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick. I'm Dr. Hasberg. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Beaknicks. Here we go. It's fun times at Breakfast with the Beak show. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, is that, okay, is that picking so, up at all? Yeah. Yeah, no. Oh yeah, a little bit, a little bit. There it goes. Okay, I you, you hit the maracas, so I had to get the sugar bowl. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the beat of the show for the rest of the time. How about we don't with the, with the sugar bowl? No. Um, <laughs> you know, last week I said you're yeah. not gonna sing. Yeah, and you did. You yep. remembered. Yeah, and uh, you know, every week we start the show off. People say Dr. Heisenberg doesn't follow through. Suck on that. Well, good morning, everyone, by the way. Yeah. But every week we start the show off, yeah. and you do something stupid to try to throw me <laughs> off my game. That's the plan. You try to be unexpected. You right. try to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Nothing has actually thrown me off my game as much as you actually doing what you said you were going to do. Yeah. And that's happened before, too. Remember yeah. when I had, like, pseudonyms four weeks in a row? Yeah, we talked about it last week when I said you weren't going to follow through. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember things very well. <laughs> you see how I was able to draw that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, and yet here we are with you actually following through, singing, shaking a makeshift maraca from, made of shit you found in the kitchen. Yeah. So, yeah, here we are. It happened. Yep. So, you know, big payoff, everyone. Good uh-huh. job. Yeah. We did it. Do you have anything you actually want to talk about? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hang on. I'm going to add that to the repertoire, too. God Just, uh, damn it. Now it's time for the topic roll. Like that. You know like what? We'll add okay, a, a, a whole little new musical component. It'll be fun little unexpected. We're going to get, like, I think next week maybe an accordion. All right, great. Okay, now you're my sidekick and my band leader. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. You're my Paul Schaefer over yeah, here. Yeah, okay. good thinking. Awesome, wonderful. So yeah. I guess roll the topic? Um, Just to, to cut this off at the knees? I and mean, that's what the song said. So. Also, the song did say, God right. damn it, you're giving me no way out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so fuck it, topic. Yep. Okay, I'm, great. I'm already exhausted. <laughs> That's a good place to start. All right, that is a uh, 22. What is topic 22, Johnny? Let's find the heck out what topic 22 is. Mm. Topic 22 is the movie John Dies at the End, submitted by Derek in Redmond, Oregon. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Derek. It's another movie. It's another movie. It's okay. a movie I've actually already seen. We can do this right now. Oh, John Dies at the End? I, You know, I've heard of it. I've heard you talk about it. I've seen I've the seen movie it. and I've read the book. I've seen okay. it pop up on Netflix queue. I've never actually bothered to watch it. I think I watched well, like two minutes of it once. I haven't actually seen it. Well, you can see it because yeah. it's on your Netflix thing. All right, you know what? You know what? I'm going to watch it now. Um, you just fine. You, I you guess. just stall. Just we'll, stay here. No, I'm not going to stall. Uh, We're just yeah, gonna... no, you just, you just stall for time. Keep them busy. I yeah, mean, we'll... like... I don't know, like ninety-five minutes or something. I'm obviously, oh. I'm just going to cut around it. I mean, no, just, just, just do a, do a little something, do a little something funny. I'm going to go queue up in Netflix after I go to the bathroom. No, clearly, I'm just going to. Hey, everyone, what's up? God damn it! All 
right, all right, we're back. I've uh, I've rounded him up. I've collected him. Yes. Okay. You John see? dies at the end. The movie. Uh, point of order. He does not. Well, no. No, he kind of no, dies doesn't. in the middle at one point, but he comes back. He dies, but not at the end. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, it's okay. It's yeah, it's okay. It, 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 it's and till next week. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's well. John dies at the end is weird because I feel like I would like it more than I actually do. You know what I mean? No, I I get that, especially the movie version. Yeah, because there's like there's like some things where you know I think I will like it and then I love it, and other things that I think I like and then I fucking hate it. Yeah, and then this is like, oh, this looks like it would be right up my alley, and somehow it's just not. Gripping. Not, not clicking for you. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I, it hit me at one point. I, I think it feels like flash fiction, but... Okay, I know what that is, but you are you have lost me, so keep going. It feels like flash fiction that keeps going, the full-length movie. Or like a short film. Okay. Now, uh, ju- just to recap for our people out there who, you know, have lives to lead and didn't dick around with... Uh, Early 21st century fads in English departments. Oh, good point. Flash fiction is okay. Uh, flash fiction is a is a a, a a writing sort of genre that's just basically just a very short short story. Yes, like between 500 and let's say 3,000 words. Very max. short, maybe shorter. You know. Yeah. Like the the length of a short article on a website that used to be good. Right, but the idea is you tell the whole, you know, beginning, middle, and end character development of an entire story just in a a tiny, succinct form. And part of the trick of that is uh, using sort of the the reliance on recurring tropes and recurring ideas and basically stuff that everybody knows has to happen to make a story happen. Right. You use the audience's knowledge of that to just sort of cut around those parts. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and I actually, at one point, a while back, tried to read John Dies at the End, because I'd heard some of the hype about it, which we'll get to, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely, we'll get to. I, like, the first 20 pages or so, and I, I got the same feeling from the book. Like, it's doing that thing where it relies on established concepts to tell you a shorter version of a new story. Yeah. But it just, it kept doing that. Yeah. For 20 pages, and then eventually a whole novel that I just... There's something about it that I find is, like, it's book length, but it's missing detail. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like the opposite of Faulkner. Uh, I I can see it. I can see it. I think part of it is that uh, the book is even weirder structurally than the film. Right. And, yeah, I mean, the way it was written, which I'll get into in a bit, Mm -hmm. but uh, the way it was written, you know, in, in chunks... Yeah. With not always a clear ending in mind. He tells a very short story at the beginning, and then a slightly longer one, and then the whole thing is inside of this other framing device, which he is then relating back to you, the reader, after the fact. And so it's very episodic. Right, right. But yeah, like, first impressions? It feels like a a short film or a sketch. It's like a film-length vignette. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm, I'm waiting for the actual movie that this isn't aside from, but it's the whole thing. It's 95 minutes or whatever. It's 95 minutes of asides. Yeah. Yeah, and, and part of that is because the movie is, of course, a very greatly condensed version of the book. Well, that's fair. Everything from here on out is going to be nonstop spoilers for book and movie. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just if you haven't seen... If you've got any interest in going into either unspoiled, I guess... Don't listen to this. Whatever, you've already downloaded it, so... Yeah. You know, that counts. Yeah. 
<laughs> so you know, whatever. For the benefit Be of prepared. for the benefit of the people who are about to turn this off, so as to avoid spoilers. Have a good breakfast, everybody. Have a good breakfast. Send us topics. Rise and iTunes review. I uh, hope you enjoyed the opening jokes. And we're back. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the the movie is a greatly condensed version of the book. Like, and this is, again, this is my problem with adaptations. Is yeah. adaptations so frequently lose yeah. a lot of the shit that made the book worthwhile in the first place. Like, in the film, you know how they they get to the end of their little road trip and John is insanely prepared, he's brought weapons, he has a plan. He's yeah, where somehow, did that come from? He somehow needed to do all this. I get that he's skipping around in times and we're not in time and we're not seeing things that happen to him, but that was a lot. Of preparation, yeah. Well, but we... here. My problem with that... Is not that it happens, but that we get so little John before it happens that w- the audience, I feel like, has built no opinion of John before the twist. Yeah. In the book, uh huh, those two halves of the story happen a year apart. He's had a year to get those weapons ready. Uh... <laughs> in the movie, they literally happen in the same day. It's like that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation from the first season where they all have that thing happen to them that makes them all personality switch. Okay. Like, Wesley Crusher becomes irresponsible, and, and Tashi Yar becomes horny. And it's like, wow, they're so different. It's like, this show just started. We don't have the frame of reference to understand the flip yet. Yeah, no, uh, the, the movie starts off with, you know, John and Dave, the two main characters, yeah. being utterly clueless about what's happening to them, and then after a year of living with these kind of experiences, mm-hmm. we see how they've developed into these sort of, you know, supernatural investigators. Right, but only John. Dave is, is the same clueless as from, like, the first segment. Yeah, they uh, they had that's a peril of adaptation right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, uh, yeah, no. So right away we get into that issue, and also the fact that they took like like I said, the book is episodic. There are several little stories all centered around just this sort of ongoing series of uh, paranormal events that are all sort of loosely connected. Right, and this just takes two of the biggest ones. And mashes them together and says they were one really big one. Uh, yeah. Like, it takes the first half of one story and the second half of another story and just says, yeah, fuck it, there's a good little bridge that fits the two together. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate that, you know, they didn't have to make an origin story movie with, like, a bunch of boring stuff before we get to the good stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, they didn't Fantastic Four it or anything, but... Yeah. Still... I don't think the Fantastic Four movies ever got to the good stuff, but, uh... Well, that's because they truncated Galactus. It's not about that. Yeah, we don't no, have time I, to get into that. We don't have time to talk about Galactus. mess. Yeah. Yeah, no. But, but yeah, that is what ended up happening. And just, just you know, plot recap. Yeah, let's give them a little basis for what the fuck we're talking about. There's a weird drug. They refer to it as soy sauce because it looks like soy sauce. Yeah, it's like a blackish-brownish goo. It may or may not be alive. And if you take it, you get insanely heightened senses and come sort of unstuck in time. Yeah, you perceive not just your current linear time frame, but the past, the future. You know things about people and events that you couldn't possibly know currently and later. One of the one of the plot points is that John takes it and while freaking out because it also gets you high because of course it does 
Right. Uh, while he's freaking out, he makes a bunch of calls to his friend Dave at different points in the future. Yeah. So, like, we see a few of the calls in the movie, and then John warns him that you're probably going to be getting these calls for the next eight years. Right. Based on, apparently, whatever Dave will eventually say to him. Yeah, so apparently yeah. he's making phone calls in the past. They don't really explain it. No, they just they he's just calling you, Dave in the future. You can you can communicate through time is the point, right? And like at another point, uh, we see Dave go back in time and cause a brief like split second distraction at a bullet factory that causes one defective bullet to be manufactured, which happens to be the bullet that somebody shoots him with much later. Which, that is cool in itself. Yeah. Like, this is why I wish this had been, like, a ten-episode series or something. Actually, yeah. Because as a film, it's a mess. Like, I have trouble even talking about it in a way that a podcast listener who hasn't seen the movie will even, like, get. That's why I put out the spoiler warning and kicked out the the plebs, because (laughs) it's, like... Fuck it, we can't explain this to people who haven't seen it, there's no point. You know, maybe a master film reviewer could do it, but that ain't me. One of my things I said about Kurosawa was, like, boy, I was surprised, it was good. You know, that was my analysis, okay? I'm not a a film guy. (laughs) Okay, in college, I took a film class, and we were doing a whole unit on, you know, directors with distinctive styles, One of the films we were going to watch was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh The lights went down. I quietly left the room, walked down to the office, and filled out the form to drop the class because I couldn't face Large Marge. I'm still scared of her. (laughs) That is how I blew my chance to learn about film, okay? (laughs) Because I was still harboring childhood fear of Large Marge. I like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, well... (laughs) I kind of want to go watch that now. Anyway. Well, keep the volume down or I'm not sleeping tonight. (laughs) Okay, but one thing we can say to clarify is it it, it does that trope where there are sinister, uh, mysterious, otherworldly things lurking in the world. Yes. You know, the world is more magical than you think. Demons are real, wizards are real, other universes and aliens and stuff are real. Yeah. And most people don't know it, but they're there, and yeah. there's are we're seeing it through the lens of the few characters who yeah. notice it. And and yeah, that's what this drug does. It it opens you up to those possibilities. It allows you like one of the at one point in the movie they say the drug, you know, tests you and if you're not a suitable vessel to go explore these things, it kills you. Right. And also there's a whole thing about little bugs that inhabit your body and possess you. And that just kind of gets dropped in the movie. Well, I got the impression that those were aliens and they kind of dealt with that and then had to get to the other bit. Yeah, well, they are aliens and or otherworldly interdimensional things or something. Right. But the point is in the book... That whole story gets a second half to the arc. Ah. Where they're, you know, summoning these shadow people into our world. And if they touch you, it's not just that they kill you, they erase you from history. Oh. So that, like, nobody even remembers you were there. Like, nobody's even sad that you're gone because you never existed. Oh. Like, uh, like that thing in Doctor Who that erases Rory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this movie suffers from not having a clear idea of which story it wants to tell. Exactly. <laughs> it wants to start off the way the book starts. Yeah. With the first half of the first of the episodic stories. And it's a cool opening bit. And then it ends with the last half, or, you know, the middle chunk at least, of the last of the episodic stories. Right. 
But then it leaves out all the stuff in between, including the fact that those stories had completely separate half arcs building to them. Yeah. Like, you know, when they go through the the portal to the other dimension, where they find an alternate world where genetic engineering was discovered in the 19th century. Yeah. And now the world is ruled by a biomechanical supercomputer. Right. Who is evil and talks like a 14-year-old on the internet. Yeah, and has a bit, he's also a big flesh mutant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they go into, you know, that world, and there's a whole thing about how they make a... Like a clone of the guy's girlfriend who they, you know, who they then kill just to, you know, freak him out. Or I mean, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. But, like, they use her to lure him in. And, hey, spoilers for the book. Massive spoilers for the book. Go for it. The, the main character, Dave, mm-hmm. turns out to actually be a perfect clone of himself, memories and all, from that universe who killed the real Dave. And once he realizes it, it's like... Well, fuck it. I'm pretty sure I'm not evil, so I'm just gonna, you know, keep going. It's 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 basically like Dave's still alive. Well, it's like that for everybody else, and yeah. the only person that's not like that for is the original Dave, and he's dead. So yeah, and this guy has all his memories. It yeah. counts, you know. And that is where <laughs> that is where the riddle about the axe comes back in the book. Oh, so that actually means anything? Yes. Why they left that in the movie is beyond me. The the thing about the axe, okay, yeah. and it's it's word for word at the opening of the movie and the opening of the book. Yeah. The whole little puzzle about, you know, the uh, you replace the axe handle and then you replace the axe head isn't the same axe. Yeah. That kind of thing. That, while kind of interesting as an opener, it really reads like a 21-year-old author trying to blow my mind and yeah. failing. No, I mean, and the thing is... You know, in the book, when it turns out the main character, who has been, you know, telling the story from the first person the whole time... Yeah. ...is himself a replacement like that, which, is, you know, is a perfect copy and does everything the old one did. Like, suddenly, it's like, hey, full circle, gun on the mantle goes off. I was gonna say, there are so many guns on the mantle that don't go off in this movie. Yeah. Just throw away, like he says, if you understand this puzzle, it will... Change how you view the universe or something Reveal the terrifying secret of the universe. Right, which they never get to. Yeah. And then there's another bit where he's like, how did I know? I I never would have guessed that my old buddy John was going to be an important part of the destruction of the Earth, which never comes up again. Yeah. What? Was this a first draft of a a script? I I assume it was just... It was a script that was, you know, fighting between the twin impulses of being faithful and not being four hours long. Yeah. And so at a certain point, it was just like, we can tell a pretty coherent story, but then they gave into that impulse to uh, to put in some shit that the fans are going to recognize. This is my problem. And they put in too much shit that the fans are going to recognize that they didn't end up following up on. Yeah, it's a... It, it, in a way, it's a fun movie. Yeah. It's got twists. It's got monsters. Yeah. It's got characters that are actually believable, like two schlubby guys who get sucked into a world of mysteriousness and yeah. don't turn into champions. They're still schlubby weirdos. Yeah, like later, at the very, very end of the movie, they get a chance to save another world, and they're just like, fuck this. This isn't our universe. Yeah, like there's stuff about this I 
I would really like. And, like, yeah. the, the weapons are kind of fun. The, like, mysterious guy, veteran, who's been doing this a long time. Yeah. The Clancy Brown it's character. It's Clancy fucking Brown. This I movie, love Clancy Brown. This movie is, like, got this cast of, of ringers. Like, the two main guys who give a shit. I've never seen them before. I never, yeah. I don't recognize They're them. They're not particularly famous. But, like, it's got this cast of nerd legends. It's mm-hmm. got Clancy Brown. Yep. It's got Paul Giamatti. Hell yes. And it's got Doug Jones. You don't know who Doug Jones is. <laughs> But Doug Jones is a hero to every skinny, weird-looking bastard in the world, and that's me. Yeah. Okay? Because Doug Jones, he was uh, Abe in the Hellboy movies. He was, like, uh-huh. the lead gentleman on Buffy. Yeah. Every every weird sort of creature effect that you're like, I wonder if that's a real guy. It was, and it was him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he kind of looks like John Waters. He does kind of look like John Waters. Yeah, yeah. That's another point in his favor. Yeah, so there's a lot of elements about this movie that I'm like, this is my kind of thing. This is fun. And then the way the story actually flows together and the setups and the payoffs, it's just a mess. It it kind of is. And and the thing is, I I can't hate it, though. I mean, partly because I like the book, so I can't be an impartial judge. You know, it's like, oh, I, I remember the scenario in which this worked. Right. Like, you know, I know what this means, so even if the movie doesn't follow up on it, it's okay. It's like me and the movie have a secret. Yeah, it's the Akira problem. It is the Akira problem, where we talked about this during our Akira episode, that, you know, the movie is this tiny sliver of massive work. Yeah, that you can't fit into one movie, so you just do chunks of it. Yeah. And it's... It's, it's inexplicable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but the other reason I can't hate it is because of, of just the, the sort of spirit behind it. The sort of... I mean, I love that sort of DIY spirit in anything. Uh-huh. And I mean, this movie has both a history of that in how it came to be in the first place and the actual aesthetics of the film are very much in this tradition of sort of ultra-low-budget horror that's going to look as good as it can on an ultra-low-budget. Right. Like, there is a lot of, you know, sort of careful cutting around of stuff. Like, if there's an effect they can only afford to do once, but it needs to happen twice. Yeah. We see it once, and then every other time it's from a weird angle, you know? Yeah, I, I noticed deliberate shots several times where yeah. they're not showing you something because yeah. they don't have the money. I mean, and and it's not even like they think they're hiding it from us. It's that people who know this style of filmmaking, they want you to see it, and they want you to know they did that. Yeah. And I just have a certain appreciation for that. Sure. Just that that style of filmmaking is still alive at all. I mean, this movie, of course, uses a certain amount of CGI just because that's inevitable these days, especially on a small budget. Because, you know, building a giant, elaborate set full of puppets and stuff to make your weird flesh monster yeah, probably is going to cost more than, you know... Hoping your intern knows how to how to do some limited uh, animation. I didn't find the CGI overbearing though. It never that no. never really took me out of it. It was never super convincing, but it was never so so in your face that it, that mattered. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it it was almost like it was almost like a C- CGI that was just sort of striving for the level of of green screen and stop motion. Uh huh. 
And if they had just done green screen and stop motion, that would have... I mean, that it would have probably looked... I'm not going to say it would have looked as good. It probably would have looked even worse. Yeah. And it would have been more expensive. You need specialists to do that now. Nobody does it anymore. That's a good point. Yeah, the, the handful of people who do it well are, you In, know, kind it, of a boutique industry. And they're all 90 years old. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can get... You, you got some people. You got some, you know, Granny Mahara types. But. Oh, yeah. And you got, like, you know, you got kids who grow up worshipping Ray Harryhausen. There's still a few left, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, so... I mean, there's that, but I mean, just the fact that there are a lot of practical effects, that it, a lot of it is obviously filmed either on location or on real sets. Right. That alone is just refreshing. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that it uses horror elements without just devolving into... Horror films have just become so formulaic, mm. and so just trying to feed the expectations of, like... Hardcore horror convention people. Well, that's the yeah, and and every time they remake something now, yeah. they just they push that the the Carrie remake, the Evil Dead remake. It's just yeah. let's make it sexy and ultra violent as much as possible, and it's just ugh. the movie that changed the genre now with lots of cliches. Yeah, yeah. Now using the cliches it established. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you, uh, you can't do that twice with the same movie. It just doesn't work. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. It becomes a, a sad parody of itself. Yeah, like, it, it becomes a rip-off of itself, not even a remake. Yeah. But the other the other DIY kind of angle on this uh-huh. is how this story came to be. I mean, like, the writer is this guy, David Wong, not his real name, not even Asian. His real name is Jason Pargin, or Pargin, but it spells it like margin, so I'm going to say Pargin. Okay. But uh, he just, he started this website where he just, you know, it was called Pointless Waste of Time, which in 1999 was fucking edgy. Not everybody had a blog that they called their ramblings back then. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. He started this website, and then every so often, according to the source I read mm-hmm. every year on Halloween, but I don't know if that's accurate, okay. he would post another chunk of this ongoing humorous horror novel he was writing called John Dies at the End. See, this is very interesting. To me, this is the most interesting part of the whole thing, is kind of the like DIY yeah. publishing angle. Yeah, and I mean, over time, of course, A, over the course of several years, it got quite long. Mm-hmm. It got to the size of a novel. Right. And it got more readers, and then reader feedback, he would sort of, you know... Tell, let them tell him, not even like, oh, what I like, what I don't like, change this, do this. It wasn't even like that. Uh-huh. It was just he could see what people were responding to, and he could sort of, you know, pursue certain... He knew to pursue certain things more than others. Right. And like most things from that era that could not have existed without the web, yeah. yes, it fucking could have. He could have just written a book. Well, yeah. But the book would have maybe not gotten anywhere. Publishers would have rejected it. He wouldn't have been able to find an audience for it if he hadn't just been putting it out there for free. Yeah, just that just that idea of kind of like letting, you know, whoever happens to stop by and read it, kind of like yeah. see into the process as he's writing it, just letting you see it. It's yeah. very Cory Doctorow in a way. Yeah. And like I and and using that to from the ground up build up a fan base. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, I've contemplated doing that myself many times. As have I. You know. You know, and and eventually over time, you know, a relatively small time, you know, sort of horror genre publisher got in touch with him and put Mm -hmm. out the book as a paperback. And then sometime after that, around 2008, 2009. Right. 
you know, a quote-unquote real publisher put out a hardcover of the book, and he had to, of course, take off the free version, take down the free version from online. Sure. But, you know, the book went through multiple sort of iterations and versions and edits and so forth. But, you know, now there is kind of a definitive version that you can go out and buy, and it's a real thing. And the book eventually came across the desk of this guy, a director, Don Coscarelli. And that's the Beastmaster guy, right? He's the Beastmaster guy, and he's also the guy who did the uh, the Phantasm series. Okay. And uh, around the turn of the century, he kind of came to terms with the fact that he makes these weird little cult films. Right. So he decided he's going to start making them on purpose. Okay. Did a movie called Bubba Hotep about an elderly Elvis in a retirement home. That's another one I've heard about yeah. and not actually gotten around to see it. It's Bruce Campbell as old Elvis fighting a mummy. See, again, it sounds like something I would really dig. Yeah. I don't know if I would actually like it if I bothered to see it, but... Yeah, no, I've actually not seen it. I, I've been meaning to for, like, ten years. Yeah, me too. Because, like, like the book, like <laughs> yeah. the book, he had a very small number of prints of it, and he just, he shopped that film around the old-fashioned way. He took that to art house theaters by hand, him and Bruce Campbell. This has all the elements of something I really dig. I wish yeah. the film was better. Exactly. Well, exactly. That's sort of the, like I said, that's the peril of adaptation, you know, yeah. is that he was able to build up this reputation for his, his previous film and do that. And so these two guys who had built their fan base this way or built their new fan base in the case of Coscarelli this way. That's cool. It's like there's so little ass kissing. Yeah. You know, both from publishing and filmmaking. And this wasn't done with, you know... SEO and self-promotion and strategic PR and shit. This yeah. wasn't done with having a Facebook presence. There was no fucking Facebook when that movie was made or when that when he started writing the novel. You yeah, know? no one's calling in favors to Ben Affleck. Nobody called in a favor. Exactly. Nobody was, you know, printing a business card before they had a business. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like that. This was from the era when you didn't get business cards until you were in business. Damn right. Yeah. And oftentimes not even then. Like, you mm -hmm. forgot to get around to it. And it didn't matter. Yeah. It was like, you know, the company was the brand. You were not your own brand, you know? Yeah. And so these were guys who really did it the old-fashioned way, just producing material that, that people liked, getting out there, shaking hands, you know, shopping that film around one theater at a time, posting that novel just for anyone to stumble on. Right. And eventually it just became remarkable because he had followed through with it. And this is, of course, back in the day when, you know, having your own website of any sort was pretty impressive in 99. Right. When he started. Yeah. And then, you know, even by like 05, 06, when he was, you know, well underway with this project, mm -hmm. the, the fact that, you know, he had his own domain. It wasn't just a fucking MySpace page <laughs> or a GeoCities, as it would have been at the time. Sure. Was pretty impressive. And so, you know... Now, that's like a strike against you. It's like a real website where I have to leave my fucking, you know, manicured garden to visit. I have to leave the, <laughs> the comfort of Facebook and Tumblr to see something. Why don't you just have a Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. it's like now Now that's like a, a liability to, <laughs> to actually have the expertise to do this. You know? uh, yeah. But the fact that he had, he had this and that he had followed through on it made right. him stand out from the crowd. Definitely. You know, I mean, nowadays everybody's got so many unfinished projects that it's impossible to make a finished one even noticeable. Yeah. Because they're all indistinguishable. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Guy. Yeah. So if you're, <laughs> if you're planning, if you're saying to yourself, hey, wait, I've always wanted to write a novel, maybe I should do it this way. Probably never going to work again. 
That's the problem. It's inexplicable how to even attempt to publish anything. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, like, you know, any big house, you know, editor place, even the ones that say they accept cold manuscripts, nine times out of ten just throw the fucking things away. Yeah. Probably 99 times out of 100. You know? Uh, yeah. And, like, where well, is... Well, to be fair, most of the most places that just accept unsolicited manuscripts, mm-hmm. they do get a lot of manuscripts from crazy people. I understand that. I understand that they are themselves at a loss because some of their biggest sellers are like Harry Potter fan fiction or Twilight fan fiction with the names changed and then those inexplicably become popular even though they're vile. I get that. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's an impossible situation that editors are in. Yes, okay. And, and, and the, the, the fictional journals are, are by and large gone. Uh, the internet ones don't pay, and you're, you know, you're hey, as a hey, 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 they pay you with exposure. Yeah, that's not money. That's not money. Uh, uh, you're, you know, Asimov's fascinating tales and all that, you know, your, your pulps. All folded. All gone. 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 Like, where do you get started publishing? Who knows? Well, uh, you get an internship and you work for free for a few years. Because you can afford to work for free for a few years. You can afford to be... Now, it's not... You're not technically a slave. Because once you fulfill (laughs) your contract, they let you go. Right. It's more of a form of indentured servitude. That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) With a resume that will do you no good. Yeah. I mean, like... All your resume proves after an internship is you're easy to trick. You're willing to work for free. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I find that I'd, I'd rather I'd rather make a, a podcast that is you know sponsored by no one and that we put out ourselves for yeah. no money. Yeah, I'd rather at least this way we maintain creative control. I'd rather give myself no money than have someone powerful give me no money. Precisely. <laughs> I mean, because like that happens whether I help them or not. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like I get the same out of not helping Donald Trump that I get out of helping him. And this way we don't have to kiss anyone's ass. Yeah, no, yeah. it's, uh, we're the, we're the last lights of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Give me someone to call a shithead right now. I'll go Doug Benson on this thing. Flickering in the wind, that's <laughs> us. Uh, last two little lights to go out. Goodbye, Norma Jean. <laughs> We are. We are candles in the fucking wind. Okay, because that's what this is. This John Dies at the End is a success story of the web as it was. That's fair. You know, it's a... I mean, and David Wong has gone on to great things from this. You Uh know, he is now the the editor of of Crack.com. Like, the only site on the internet that publishes listicles that don't make you dumber. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll give you with that. Yeah, sure. it's like it's it's sort of like the 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 dark mirror of BuzzFeed. You know, BuzzFeed is here's 18 things you already know, and this is here's four things you don't. Yeah, you know that's that's better. Uh, I agree. You see why that's better? It's like also this one has uh, research. Yeah, and uh, you know information and. A distinguishable writing style. I don't need you to tell me what cartoons I watched as a child. No. I was there. I don't need <laughs> one sentence and a gif for each item on the list. You could just, you could just not write that article, Buzzfeed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I'll get the same, I'll get yeah. the same.
gain information out of it by not reading it. <laughs> there, could, there could be no BuzzFeed and uh, nothing would be lost. No, not no. at all. No. Yeah. I mean, and of course, I'm sure somebody's going to say, hey, BuzzFeed is the only outlet that, like, poor people in Egypt have. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. There are whole websites yeah. in languages that they speak. That's absolutely true. That you've never been to or heard of. <laughs> Literally the rest of the world always exists. Well, everyone else has the internet. Yeah. Like, if it's in a language that you can't read, that doesn't mean it's made up. Yeah. Like, it's, it's out there. Like, there are Egyptian websites made by Egyptian people. When the Arab Spring was happening, don't worry, people were writing in Arabic. It was all real. <laughs> Like, like reputable news sources here had guys translating it, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I promise, I promise, <laughs> losing BuzzFeed won't hurt. No, no, it'll... I promise, the rest of the world exists. But we, they don't need us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't need America. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe for, like, like, some countries do, but, like, not... Not for that. Yeah. They don't I, need BuzzFeed, at least. No, no. I get that American te- technology helped kickstart the whole internet thing. But yeah, the ARPANET e- and so forth. But everybody has it now. Give or take. I mean, yes, I, I, I mean, there are desperately poor villagers who don't have it. They don't have smartphones, you know. Right. But in theory, those countries do have, you know, top-level domains and so forth. It, there's a, an infrastructure in place to make this happen. There's an infrastructure. They just need some money. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying is <laughs> BuzzFeed is useless. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, like five years ago, it was good for a laugh now and then, and now it's not even good for that. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, but but regarding John dies at the end. I mean, yes, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's, it had to be said, and you can trust us again because we don't get paid I by mi- anything. I missed the old web when things mattered. When we felt bad about being idiots on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> like when when something on the internet wasn't useful or informative or entertaining, we felt guilty about that. We felt like we were misusing it. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just like, no, how useless can we make this? All the world's a stage and I have nothing to say. I, you know, I wonder how that cycle's going to go long term. This is another aside, but fuck it, we've gone down that rabbit hole. Okay. I was watching the, the news uh, on Friday and and, uh, uh, somebody was just doing a little, like, uh, you know, tech novelty piece or whatever. And a new, a new uh, study has revealed that uh, teen use of Facebook is plummeting and grandparent use of Facebook is skyrocketing. Yeah. And Facebook is panicking right now because they know one is a short-term dead-end market, and if they're not grabbing the, the youngins as they get their first computers, then, you know, their website now has a... Uh, a death knell on its head. Yeah, well, Facebook, here's my advice for you. CBS is the number one network. So just at any given point in time, uh-huh. make a site that looks like what your target audience remembers from 20 years ago. Hmm. Yeah. You know, wait, 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 teens don't remember anything from 20 years ago. 
their target audience isn't teens. Not anymore. Like I said, CBS is the number one network, and that's not because of teenagers. That's a good that's point. That's because old people. That's a very <laughs> good point. But, but yeah, like, like we, we've talked about before in recent weeks about how we don't know what the next Facebook or Twitter or whatever is. Yeah. And it's like, maybe, maybe the next generation will get tired of blathering out every random thought on a public forum. Yeah, maybe they'll realize, oh, wait, it's really easy to keep this shit private. Yeah. By not telling anyone. It, it actually is. Yeah, you don't... Yeah. You, like, people are like, oh, well, what's up with privacy? Like, why Why is everyone able to find my shit? If you don't put your shit up there in the first place, yeah. then it stays in your head. Yeah, no, it, it, it's like if you lock your car... Yeah. You know, I mean, well, your 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 stuff stays in your car. Nobody pulls your stuff out. They yeah. have to break a window. You know someone's been there. Right. Yeah. They have to commit an extra crime. Right, but this is actually more secure because it's in your head. Yeah. And there's no carjacking equivalent to telepathy. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. And if there is, again, that's an extra crime on top of what's already happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, John dies at the end. John you dies have something to say? Um, no, again, it's... Yeah, I feel like we've said it. It feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity in terms of dramatic recreation. I I, I think it would work as a series. Like if they remade it as a series in yeah. like five years. Even even as a like a, a one season kind of ten episode miniseries. Yeah. Same cast even, you know? I have no problem with the cast. You know? I even mean, the, yeah. the protagonists who aren't, like, well-known. Yeah, like, a couple of young guys, probably douches in real life, but they play the roles well. I thought every every actor in that movie did a good job. Yeah, no, they... I am completely fine with the cast. They did what they should have done, and frankly, most of them looked like how I pictured them reading the book, so... That's fair, yeah. You know, good enough. And I mean, like, the way, like, the dialogue delivery, all that stuff, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, like I said, it's, you know, Paul Giamatti. Clancy Brown. I mean, both of them have been have shown a willingness to work with HBO. So yeah, dude, I've seen Clancy Brown on Star Trek. Yeah. You know, all over the place. Clancy Brown is in everything, and he's awesome. A million cartoons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I love that man. Oh you know, he'll play ball. Yeah. yeah, no, it's like he just. That's the thing. Maybe it's just I got a soft spot for so many of my nerd heroes showing up in this movie. Yeah, or something. But yeah, I think if they had done this as a series. Quite possibly something I would definitely watch every week. That, that's my takeaway. Cool, but it needs to be longer yeah, so no. that it makes fucking sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the counterpoint to that is, uh-huh. speaking of CBS, they did that uh, Under the Dome series based on the Stephen King novel. Well, And that went to hell right quick well, when they started adding shit. Then make it in England. It, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give the power to, to 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 one of the big American networks that needs to stretch Lost out for six seasons. Yeah, no, it's like do it on HBO or do it yeah! on AMC. Absolutely, you know, and I think it could work. There are there are plenty of options nowadays for TV that doesn't take too long. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is something they should have explored and maybe should still explore. I, I mean, there's still two-thirds of that book to tell. <laughs> yeah. You know? Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, everyone everyone involved, as far as I know, is still alive. Yeah, so. no, it hasn't been... The thing came out in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. There's no time at all. Yeah. All right. I guess that's the lesson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, if, there you if go. If you can't fit it into the movie... But you think you think you can do it well? Pitch it as a series. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, you're already a guy who makes movies. People want to maybe work with you. I don't know. Maybe they don't. But uh, at this point, you might have a better shot at pitching series. Like that Prestige TV is like making big bank right now. Oh yeah, I mean, not to mention Netflix original series. Absolutely, that like, that's a thing now. Hulu original series and Amazon. Yeah, yeah, dude. A Netflix show won a goddamn Golden Globe last year I or really? this year or whatever year it is. Yeah, no, it, it, it's for last year, but yeah, no, the award shows are fucking ridiculous. I mean, I know award shows are garbage, and it had established movie stars in it, but yeah. still, it but was a web show. Yeah, no, it's a show that a lot of people watched on their iPads first. Yeah. Yeah. If you told Felicia Day five years ago that web series were going to win those major awards yeah. in 2014... She would have laughed her ass off. Yeah, she'd be like, no, we do this for fun. Yeah. Nobody gets paid. Exactly. Yeah. She would have been like, thanks guys for helping out. Uh, uh, do you want sandwiches? He's like, yeah, it's cool that you believe in the project, but calm down, Spaz. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) no, it happened. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck it, there's more places than ever to go with an idea like this. And for a story that whose life begins on the web and whose success is intrinsically tied to its ability to find an audience there... Yes. I think that's a good home for it, maybe, you know? Uh, yeah. I think that's a good next chapter in the story, especially since, just as this is the weird upstart novel and this is the weird sort of pirate director... And Wong did write a sequel to the book. He you did. Got two he, seasons. He did. He did. You're right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, but because of that, I think maybe one of these weird upstart networks that are kind of or ad hoc networks that are kind of forming on the streaming services. Right. I think that's a, a logical next step for this. There you go. Do yeah. it. We solved the problem. Yeah. I mean, we have no power to make this happen. We have no idea if anyone's going to listen to this. Fuck it. Who knows? I mean, it wasn't a huge movie. Maybe, uh, maybe Don Coscarelli will be like, "Hey, this is something." Uh, about my thing I'll listen to this Who knows Yeah If so Hi Yeah what's up We're, We Let's are prepared go. to interview you For no compensation Correct Yeah Yeah we can't pay you either <laughs> Yeah no <laughs> We're like web shows Ten years ago Yeah we'll uh, We'll plug your movie And say uh, It was a, a A noble failure I mean <laughs> Like, I I probably liked it more than you did because, again, it's like I had a secret with the movie because I knew what was supposed to happen. That's fine for your own private fandom, but as a film on its own. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, yeah, if me and the movie are buddies, we've got an inside joke that you weren't in on and that's a dick thing to do to you. It's flawed. Yeah, Yeah, so. All right. Well, but yeah, that's what that's our review of the movie and our review of the film industry, the television industry, and the sorry ass state of the internet that you claim is all all of you claim is you know the thing that keeps you alive, whatever. So, <laughs> so until next week, send those topics to topics at the Yes, and you can also get to us at uh, facebook.com slash breakfast with the beak or breakfast with the if you're afraid to go outside of those places. <laughs> You can reach us on Twitter. I am at the Beak. He is at Doc Heisenberg, and uh, together we are at Beak Network. Yeah, there's even a Google Plus page. Why not? You know, <laughs> who if, cares? If you're a Google employee, I guess it's still we using that. Don't have a Snapchat account because you don't get to see my junk. Yeah, and don't send us topics that way. We'll lose them after a few seconds. Yeah, I need more time to write it down than that. Yeah. It's a flawed system. It's just not great for submitting topics. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's how you find us. Okay, everybody. Okay, until next week, uh, get in touch, Don. (laughs) Sorry, John, sorry, baby, try.
This has been a production of the Beak Podcasting Network. Visit thebeak.org to learn more about this and other quality podcasts. Seriously, guys, so awesome.